Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. In studio with uh, Teresa Lim, the Brisbane-based voiceover artist. Good morning, Teresa. How are you doing today? Thank you. It's Good. great to have you with us uh, this morning. And Teresa, in from Australia, visiting family and friends here. What are some of the big things happening in Australia right now in the media scene? What are some trends you're seeing and, and things happening? You do a lot of voiceover work. You do a lot of on-camera work. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's a really exciting time in Australian media. In the last two years, I've really seen a shift in diversity both in audio work but also on screen. So two years ago, Screen Australia signed the Diversity Charter and since then there's been such a huge push for diverse talent on screen, both in film and advertising. So it's been fantastic and we've seen a real push for that. Uh, you're a Brunei- Bruneian, Chinese, Singaporean, <laughs> Malaysian. You know, Obviously you, have, you look Chinese more than anything else, right? Is that a fair representation of your background? Yes, so I speak Mandarin. Mandarin's Mm. my first language. Mm. I migrated to Australia from Brunei in 1989, where I lived in Melbourne for a couple of years, and then um, we moved up to Brisbane, so I call Brisbane home. But I travel back to Asia every year, about twice a year, um, working in Singapore, and um, yeah, it's been fantastic. So your Asian look was something that was a barrier at one point in time for you when you first were working in Australia. But now, like you say, with this initiative that's just happened in recent years, it's it's opened things up a bit more, hasn't it? Definitely. Um, so it's been quite interesting. I started off as a journalist, as a radio journal, a newsreader. And basically, I was thinking about going into TV presenting in Australia at the time, mm-hmm. but they suggested that I didn't have the look for that because I was Asian. <laughs> and so that's how I ended up in audio work, which I love. And I've spent a whole career in voiceover and voicing ads and things. Yeah. And in the last two years, now they're like, well, no, we really want your look now. So I've been <laughs> presenting things. I've been in ads and it's been a real, like the opposite shift, which is really yeah interesting. Well, this is a big issue in Singapore, of course. We talk about cultural appropriation and racial privilege. It's a big issue in America. American-born Chinese are looking for a representation. It's a big issue with Asians in the UK and, and particularly in Australia. This idea that, so you were saying that 20 years ago, you were just offered work or potential work at SBS, which is considered more of an, an international news channel and network in Australia. In other words, you wasn't white enough for mm. mainstream TV. Would that be fair to say back then? Absolutely. And it's still the case now. Mm. Like when you look at Australian media now, most of the presenters, I reckon like 90% of presenters are still Caucasian. And blonde. And blonde. I was in Australia at Christmas and I was so shocked at how everyone is blonde, even if they wasn't born blonde. (laughs) Some other blondes as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you think of when you think of as Aussie media. Mm. But yeah, times are changing and um, there's lots of great diverse Australian talent who are, you know, making themselves known now. And so I'm really excited to see where that'll head in the future. Which is interesting. We're, We're speaking with Teresa Lim, who is a radio and TV a voiceover artist and obviously a TV personality now. Uh, but, you know, Australia is, has always been a nation of color, you know, going way back to, to the original inhabitants uh, in mm-hmm. Australia. It was a nation of color first. <laughs> it, was a, it was first a nation of color more than anything else. Um, and then uh, obviously Caucasians came along, your ancestors, Neil, and yeah. most not, of them. Not me personally. Yeah. Don't blame me <laughs> personally. I'm kind of thinking I could actually blame yeah, you, you might at some level. All roads lead back to me, right? <laughs> so, yes. But of course, in recent decades and, you know, what, 40, 50 years, mm. there's been a massive change in people that have come to, immigrated to Australia, including many Asians, right? From 
many I mean, Singaporeans for that matter. Singaporeans, things like that. So the idea that this initiative that you spoke of, this Asian leadership initiative, is just now taking hold is, you know, 40 years too late, you know, probably for, for most people there. I mean, it's good that it's happening. Yeah, absolutely. It is sort of like one way you can look at it is like, why didn't this happen earlier? Mm. But then, you know, I think it's important to see it as, well, no, now's the time and we've just got to push ahead with it and take every opportunity we can. There's lots of diversity talks in Australia at the moment. People are getting involved in um, initiatives like the Asian Leadership Project in Sydney, which is now yeah. spread to all the states. Mm. It's just to raise awareness. Um, and be sort of like a voice for mainstream media to and, say, be more diverse. And how about women in media too? Because that, you mm. know, traditionally it's been a, a male dominated business. And talk to us about your experience now with uh, working that along with the, the diversity, uh, other issues. Absolutely. Well, just in voiceover alone in Australia, 80% of voiceover on broadcast is male dominated. Is that right? So females get 20% of broadcast time. Just in voice, I, but I to, don't know if it's like that in I Singapore. I hate to say it, it, it's probably even higher in Singapore. And now I'm thinking about it now. I'm struggling, are you? I'm struggling to even think of a female voiceover. Yeah. I know all the people who do the voiceover work in Singapore, and some of them are good friends of mine. Yeah. They're all male. Yeah. Oh, They're wow. all male. Yeah, well, That's see, to think as about. someone like mm. me, mm. as a full-time voiceover mm. in Australia, like this is my career as a you know sure. a full-time job. Yeah. It's really important, um, and so there's also that. Yeah, it, it's like I'm Asian and I'm a female and I'm in Australia. It's been a real battle, but it's been fantastic to see lots of changes in the last twenty years. But it's so fascinating because you know, revealing my white privilege maleness from the off. And I hate to do that cliche thing about it's only when I became a father that I realized women existed. I'm not I'm not going down that road, but what I will say, what I will say is spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, stop listening for the next 10 seconds. I've said it, it's a spoiler coming up. But when Black Widow dies, right? My daughter cried her eyes out. And there was such a backlash to Disney in the last few years over this issue because People only realise for the first time, oh, hang on a minute, girls go to the cinema too. They want female superheroes. <laughs> and suddenly Wonder Woman makes a billion dollars at the mm-hmm. box office and everybody's like, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Because for the longest time, never mind people of colour, women didn't see themselves on screen. Therefore, they had no one to aspire to. They had no role models to look up to. And that has to change, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Absolutely. When... And the movie Crazy Rich Asians, Asians came yeah. out. Mm. Um, it was huge in Australia. Like I remember our Asian community in Brisbane alone, we went to the cinemas. You know, it was such a huge thing because we felt like, wow, this is for the first time an all-Asian cast in yeah. like a major movie. Yeah. And for us in Australia, we sometimes feel a bit removed from Asia, yeah. even though we're so close, like it's a seven-hour, eight-hour flight from Brisbane. Mm. You still feel so disconnected from Southeast Asia because we're, you know, quite... White. Separate, yeah. No, it's true. I lived in Australia. I used to joke that, you know, Perth is closer to Jakarta than it is to the next Australian city of Darwin or whatever it is, right? It's only four hours on a plane. When you watch the Australian media, you and I've written this before, you would think that Britain was where Papua New Guinea was, right? You'd think that most white nations were where maybe Jakarta is, and Indonesia is just off of Jupiter, Mm. (laughs) because Mm. there is no connection to Mm. their regional neighbours. But Australia, 
like America, like Britain, isn't white anymore. And there has to be a reflection of that, doesn't there, in the media? Yeah, absolutely. And we are seeing a change in that. Um, The next Marvel film um, is an all-Asian cast, and that's being shot in Sydney right now Mm. from January to June, I believe. Mm. And, you know, that's really exciting. There's some great Asian-Australian talent who are, you know, going to be part of that. So there is shifts. There is gradual shifts, and I think it's just going to increase more and more. But yeah, it's sort of, you still meet hurdles along the way. And sometimes it feels like there is a bamboo ceiling that you still have to push through and push through in Australia. Well, there are issues of that in Singapore here as well. I mean, what examples would you have had in your long career? You know, because you have a a beautiful sounding Australian voice. Have you ever had a situation where you've gone into rooms and people said, oh, you're not Oh, I get that all the time. I get that all the time. It's on the phone or the radio. Well, if they haven't picked up that my surname's Lim, and then, you know, and they've only heard like my audio work and they think I'm not Asian. And I show up and they're like, wow, you don't look like the way you sound. You don't look Australian. And then I I just feel like I should start speaking in Mandarin and go, (laughs) well, (laughs) you know, speaking with Teresa Lim, a voiceover artist uh, based in Brisbane, Australia. Australia. And when we saw some of these award shows uh, yeah. coming out just recently, of course, we had the BAFTA and the, the Oscars coming up. It is a year that it seems like the awards community has gone backwards in terms of, of, of women, of diversity, people of color. And what is it going to take? I mean, you, you mentioned Crazy Rich Asians, which was not without controversy itself, based on the portrayal that it... Especially it, in Singapore. ...that it uh, had of Asians, right? Just this whole, you know, lots of money splashing it around and all that. And, and of course, the Asian community is, is very different in, all across this region. Uh, but having said that, what, what is it going to take to get a more diverse entertainment scene back to Australia, back globally again, when already you have so many amazing people of color, women directors and, and actors... Everyone's they're there, right? But for some reason, these awards, these award shows, just can't get past it. I think it comes down to the buyers and people who watch the media, you know, because that's where the money's going to come from. And if people go and support movies like, you know, when Crazy Rich Asians comes out, that's when it makes a big statement. You know, when Black Panther came out and there was huge support mm. for that. But they did. I mean, yeah. and now, but where did it get us, right? Mm. People did support those movies mm. and they were hugely successful mm. at the box well, office. Well, just to give you a bit of context. The Sorry, not to be not to be too, mm. too you know, no, devil's no. advocate-ish yeah, with yeah. your Teresa, no, no, Just definitely. to look at the BAFTAs, uh, which is the British Academy Award, there are no women in the major categories at all, apart from Best Actress, obviously, but there are no women in the writing categories, the directing categories at all. Not a single person of colour, which is extraordinary. The Oscars dominated with Joker, again, which is a white movie. Once 1917. Upon a, once Upon a Time in America, yeah. Hollywood, white movie, predominantly, and so on. Now, you could say you don't want tokenism. People have to be nominated on merit. But this year was a particularly good year for, for, for female uh, artists and, uh, and writers. Just look at the, some of the people who were overlooked. Aquafina in The Farewell, mm, one of the most mm. popularly lauded films of the year. Jennifer Lopez gave the performance of her career in Hustlers. Eddie Murphy was just off the charts. Brilliant. In Dolomite Is My Name. Lupita Nyong'o in Us, one of the great films of last year, completely overlooked. Jamie Foxx in Just Murphy. Then you've got all of the great films by women. Little Women was completely overlooked. The Oscars is coming up to its 91st year. In that time, question for both of you, how many women 
have won the Best Director Award in 91 years. One, right? For, for Hurt Locker? That's exactly right. Catherine, Catherine Bigelow. Bigelow yeah. Catherine Bigelow. Yep. And if you read many articles about Catherine Bigelow, she's often referenced as James Cameron's ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> Not as a successful <laughs> filmmaker, but James Cameron's ex-wife. Yes, she won it for The Hurt Locker. There's only been five nominated in, in the best part of 100 years, 90 years, which is just not good enough, is it's it? It's not good enough, no, and it's got to change. And I think it can change and will change. Um, well, it's got to change after 91 years, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the good thing is this year the, the terrific South Korean movie Parasite has got nominations for the director for the best film, editing, and so on and so on. I think with things like the Academy, they have to follow more of a, a line that Australia's taken. Some of the older guys need to die. In well, the academy, you know, people let's, just, let's just say retire. Yeah, retire. But people have openly said that. The serious point being, the serious point being, that a lot of these academies, the voters are old and white and male, mm. and a lot of the time, this that's factually correct. They just don't watch these movies, you know. So. Yeah. The people in these voters, the voters need to represent the people Absolutely. in the countries they're living in, right? Yeah, definitely. And is that changing in Australia? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> it's going to change. What do you think it'll, it'll take to, to move the needle in Australia, in, in, in domestic television there, domestic, the domestic movie scene in Australia? I think if artists continue to stand strong and take those opportunities that they're offered and, yeah, working with the creative agencies, um, it's just got to keep moving forward that way, you know, being a big push. Yeah. Yeah. Teresa, do you have any projects coming up that you're looking forward to, to, to doing, either voiceover or TV? Um, lots of projects. So, yeah, we've got promos coming up for Cartoon Network. That'll be really fun. Great. And, yeah, um, we've got some exciting um, on-screen pre- presenting work in Australia happening. So we'll continue with that. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Teresa Lim, a voiceover and TV artist uh, based in Brisbane. Thanks so much for coming out. Of course, uh, people can find you at TeresaLim.com. And that's T-E-R-E-S-A, Lim.com. And uh, thanks for coming on Weekend Mornings. Thanks so much for having me. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.